Welcome in to a late night Sunday night edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. We are recording at 1.30 a.m. East Coast time, post-Super Bowl, post-everything. I am Gavin Shaw going solo to break down the various performances uh, from the Heat and Trailblazers games, including one of the one of the best games I've seen all season out of Julius Randle against Bam Adebayo and the Miami Heat. Um, some electricity from Emmanuel quickly in limited minutes against the Trailblazers. RJ's continued improvements followed by a quiet night and so much more from these two games this weekend on Locked on Knicks right now. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get twenty percent off your next order. I have Gavin Shaw going solo on this nightcap edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. I am a play-by-play broadcaster for a variety of places, including uh, Flow Sports, the NFHS Network, and Varsity Media in non-pandemic times. You can follow me on Twitter at Gavin Shaw. And please, if you aren't already, subscribe to the pod, assuming you like today's episode. The, give, give us a listen with Alex. You might hate me. You might love Alex. Um, and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And then you can you can write a mean comment if you don't like us. Just throw us the five stars. Write something horrible about me in the comments. All right. Let's get into it. Locked on Knicks. Uh, a two-game weekend for the New York Knicks. Um, obviously, the, the biggest news over the weekend for the Knicks was the Derek Rose trade. We actually already covered that um, earlier this earlier today in an emergency pod. Um, so if you haven't already checked that out, go and check that out. So this one's going to be solely focused on the games. A 110-99 to victory over an electric Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. And that was followed by a close loss to the defending Eastern Conference champion, though 9-14, Miami Heat, 109-103. to um, so I'm going to skip the general recap. I assume most of you guys watch the games. If not, you probably watch the highlights. And I'm just going to get into it and jump from player to player. Uh, let's start off with Julius Randle, because I thought his game against the Heat was the defining performance of this weekend of any player um, on the Knicks. And I, I was I was frankly amazed. Um, I saw some tweets before the game comparing his all-star candidacy to Bam out of Isles. And it was, in, in my mind, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into it because I think offensively, I, I would say I know offensively, despite the Heat's variety of injuries and, and absences due to COVID or contact tracing, um, Randall has, has a much tougher life on offense than Bam out of Isles. A lack of spacing um he's he's the fulcrum of the offense while bam gets the benefit of playing his playing off of jimmy butler playing off of tyler hero 
um, having Duncan Robinson running around, attracting the eyes of everyone on the defense. Uh, Randall, Randall gets none of those luxuries. Um, and statistically, they're, they're awfully similar. Um, Randall scores more. I think he rebounds more, if I remember correctly. That's pretty close. Uh, Bam averages slightly more assists, though that's also close. Again, just going off of memory. It's been a long day. Um, Bam is far better defensively. That, that is no comparison. Um, I thought all that, and then I came into tonight. I watched this game, and including Bam, including Jimmy Butler, uh, Julius Randle was, bar none, the best player on the court in this basketball game. His passing in the first quarter, I mean, dare I say, it was, it was LeBron-esque. Um, it, it was just masterstroke after masterstroke. Started off with a line drive straight into the chest of Reggie Bullock, who, who started this game hitting his three straight threes, giving the Knicks an early 13-4, 13-5 lead. Um, missed one, made another, and if I remember correctly, all four of them came off of uh, Julius Randle passes. Um, so the first one, just just on a line to Bullock. Um, next one, he kind of bullied Olenek into the paint, and Miami was was playing either zone or, or pseudo zone for a lot of this game. So every single eye on the defense was was looking at Julius Randle, and he he leveraged that attention. He sensed that that Reggie was open. And at the last possible second, kind of turns around and just fires a one-handed sling into the shooting pocket. Uh, Reggie nails it. Um, pass of the game for me. This this was just dirty. Um, operating at the elbow, back to the basket. He, he kind of sees out of the side of his eye that Alec Burks is cutting towards the rim. Goes behind his back. And it was, it was, it was just beautiful in the sense that he didn't, he didn't have to put a whole lot on it. But he just timed it up perfectly so that he could throw a soft little bounce pass. And it hit Burks in stride. Burks didn't have to slow down the slightest. Exploded right to the rim and got him a layup. And and that's why precision passing is just so crucial in the NBA. If, if you don't make that kind of play um, with, with the right timing, you're, you're, going, you're, you're not getting a layup out of that situation. Maybe Burks creates an advantage. It, it leads to like a tic-tac-toe sequence and someone gets an open three. Someone eventually gets an open layup. But you're not getting a direct assist. Randall got a direct assist because his timing was perfect, his vision was perfect, and his touch and accuracy on the pass were perfect. And then he starts pouring in buckets, back-to-back threes, um, and it, it's insane how good he's getting at that shot, given how he shot throughout all of his career. Anyone who listens to this podcast know I was I was a big-time doubter on his shot, but, um, I mean, we're getting to a point where this is a substantial sample size, and you kind of have to think, this is this is maybe who Julius Randle is. I think we're going to see somewhat of a regression at some point. But right now, I mean, he's hitting 40% of his threes. <laughs> and that it, Julius Randle hitting 40% of his threes at the peak of his athletic abilities, passing the way he is. That guy is an all-star. And that, that is nuts um, compared to where he was last year. Capped off the threes, hit an elbow jumper. And then near the end of the first half, another insane step-back triple. Um, his shot of the game came in the second half, a where he was he was a lot quieter, but had a turnaround fade on the baseline over Bam, probably fifteen to seventeen feet away. It wasn't like Bam was closing out or Bam was fooled. Like Bam got a good contest on it. Randall just nailed it over him right in his face. Has to be one of the five toughest shots a Nick has made this season. Um, and then had a nice little sequence in the fourth quarter. Hit a jumper in Bam's face, stripped him on the other end, going up. Didn't really do much else. Wasn't necessarily great in the in the closeout of this one, but um, everything up to that point was just. I mean, it, it, it was astounding. He he again. I'll, I'll say it again because I'm I'm sort of pinching myself over it. He's absolutely an all star. 
Randall against the Blazers, and, and I'll just throw out the uh, the stats from the Heat game real quick because I didn't do it at the opening. Randall, 26 points, 13 boards, 7 assists, 10 of 18 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 3 of 4 from the foul line, just 3 turnovers in 38 minutes. Against the Blazers, he was he was still really good. And and we, we've t- talked about it a lot recently, the idea that we're taking these performances for granted from 22 points, 11 boards, 4 assists, Five fouls, did play 39 minutes, just one turnover against the Blazers. And on a night where Alfred Payton, RJ, Quickly, uh, Burks to some extent all had really good games, Randall was just very, very solid throughout that game and, and served as kind of a rock in, in his consistency from quarter to quarter to quarter. Um, the one the one play I'll note from that one is uh, he, had a, he had, again, really nice chemistry with Bullock, they ran like this impromptu little pick and pop where Bullock screened and kind of rolled baseline. And then Randall just like throws one of those no look sling passes. And he's gotten, I, I encourage you guys to watch this going forward. He's gotten so good at passing with one hand and putting a ton of velocity on the ball and utilizing all the power in his body to get that ball out quickly on time and accurate. Um, and, and again, that, that leads to a lot of assists because shooters shooters like it when you put it right in their shooting pocket and they don't have to do a whole lot else with the basketball. Um, another play that stood out to me in that Trailblazers game, he he was on the perimeter. He, he kind of got crowded and you got to, you got to pause for a second and realize how nuts that is. Last year teams were, were giving him the Alfred Payton treatment and they were, they were sitting in, in basically a different, a different borough and, and saying, Julius, you want to, you want to shoot it? Go ahead, shoot it. Um, playing up on him, and that combined with the kind of shape he's in, he, he ripped through easy blow by, gets the lay. It just—it's a play that, for multiple reasons, just would not have happened last season. All right, I want to—I want to tell you guys a little bit about how good R.J. Barrett was against the Miami Heat. But first, I want to tell you about Ten Ten. This episode is brought to you by Ten Ten. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times, InStyle Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters each have produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right, guys, we'll be back uh, to talk R.J. Barrett in just a sec. But first, if you want to get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast, well, that's the way to do it. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right. Let's talk R.J. Barrett against the Portland Trailblazers. This was another another masterful performance in, in a long line of them uh, for R.J. Barrett. 18 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, 8 for 14 from the field, 2 of 2 
from three. Did not shoot a free throw, but uh, don't let that tell you the whole story because he, he was very aggressive getting to the bucket in this game. And, I, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people who are, are on Nick's Twitter have seen various accounts tweeting out the rate stats, but for, for about 10 to 12 games now, RJ is hovering right around 50-40-80 splits, which for a guy who was one of the least efficient players in the NBA a year ago was was drastically inefficient to start the season. He was somewhere around like 37-26-80, or sorry, 37-26-75 like from the foul line through the first 10 to 12 games of the season. He, he, he was, he was god-awful in terms of efficiency. Um, he's, he's completely flipped that on his head. It looks like a different basketball player, like, like a body double is out there playing for RJ Barrett and around the rim. I, I think the the key thing for him is, is obviously we, we talked, we got into a little bit with uh, a fellow locked on host and uh, all around uh, basketball genius, Nate Duncan this past summer. And he was kind of questioning, look, does, does RJ have the athletic pop of someone like, Jimmy Butler, who who coming out of school and a little bit of his rookie year was the guy um, us and a lot of other people most often compared R.J. Barrett to, and it was it was a reasonable question, right? Um, he there there was a reason he wasn't finishing that well around the basket. Whatever he did this offseason, we we heard from Rebecca Harlow earlier in the year that it it involved three a days. Um, he he had changed himself physically while developing from a skill perspective in an extremely meaningful way and mentally you can I mean he was we, we said it from day one he, he was an exceptionally smart player for for such a young guy in the NBA but that that's gone up another level this year in terms of his patience it, it's abnormal he looks like a star 10 years later when or, or rather star in his late 20s early 30s when he's operating at his best and I'll, I'll get into a little bit of it in the play-by-play from the Blazers game um, opening couple of possessions of the game. Mitchell Robinson is a steal. Um, RJ gets a confident, easy transition pull up at the line. And and that's that's what I love about RJ this year. He's getting to his spots with consistency. He knows where he excels. He knows where he doesn't. He's finding a way to dictate the terms of engagement on offense. Um, him and Mitchell Robinson seem to run a pick and roll and get a dunk essentially every game in the opening few minutes. And then they, for whatever reason, they, they don't go back to that play the rest of the game. But he threaded the needle against the double team to, to get Mitch that early dunk. Um, and it's the kind of play where his height really comes in handy as a creator because Portland this entire game was, was trapping, the, trapping the ball. And RJ said, you know what, I'm like 6'5", 6'6". Six, six, six. I, I really don't care if you trap the ball. Threads the needle, gets it to Mitch. Um, runs another pick and roll with Mitch. Um, and, and this is why they're so good. Mitch Mitch is getting a lot more savvy and committed in terms of his screening and that he's not just slipping every time. He's setting a solid screen the first time around, and then he's even willing to rescreen. So RJ doesn't like what he has the first time around. He calls Mitch back over. Big guy, get back over here. Set me another one. Mitch sets him another one. And, and RJ has gotten, I, I love, I just love the patience. Like so often from guys in their first, second, third year. So I mean, sometimes guys never figure this out in the NBA. Um, they're, they're so ready to get going that they're not, they're not willing to wait for that second screen. RJ's like, you know what? This isn't as good as it could be. Let's try it again. Um, gets the rescreen. Um, 
drive-in, one-footed lefty banker. Uh, just absolutely dirty. He he didn't really he didn't have that shot with any kind of consistency in his repertoire a year ago, and, and that that's kind of where I want to focus on on his finishing getting better. This is I haven't really dived into like the stats on this, and I, I'm I, I am I'm sorry. I'm not, I I love you guys. Uh, I love the Knicks. Uh, I don't know if I'm committed enough to go back to last year and rewatch games. That that just feels like a step too far. Um, but if I remember correctly, I feel like a lot of his struggles came from trying to swish shots around the basket, trying to put in floaters, like little push shots. Uh, this year, he is better at getting angles to the rim to bank it in. And those are just inherently easy shots. Unless you have a manual quickly level touch, it's, it, or, or you're just like an insane athlete, like a, like a Derrick Rose or Russell Westbrook at his prime, it's very hard to finish at the rim against NBA centers. It, it, it's just, you usually need to have one or the other. Um, but you can kind of develop your skill to a point where you can really work the glass. And that's what we're seeing from RJ now. Improved touch, certainly, but not elite touch, but his ability to, to get angles and to use his strength to, to get to the spots on the court that he wants and then put the ball in off the glass. That, that's really spectacular. And it's getting better and better and better. Um, had another lefty banker over Canner. And it, it just sort of feels like he's gotten more explosive towards the end of this game. It ripped through that absolutely froze Damian Lillard, who actually had some pretty good defensive moments in this one. It was just insane on offense. Conversation for another day. And then uh, satisfying for all the Ennis Cantor haters out there, absolutely torched Turkish big on a Euro step um, that left Cantor about three feet away from him when he actually laid it in with the right hand. All right, I'm thinking next we're going to get into Emmanuel quickly, and then I'll just kind of go rapid fire on the rest of the guys but before that i wanted to tell you about our sponsor bet online bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action football might be over but nba college basketball and the nhl are in full swing bet online even covers awards tv shows and reality tv real-time updated odds and props on almost Anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook. And then we want to tell you about a longtime friend of ours, and that is Built Bar. The improved Bilt Bar is even deliciouser. That's right. It's a word. I'm pretty sure they put it in in the Webster's Dictionary. Um, certainly in, in other dictionaries. It's in my dictionary. Um, specifically because of how good the new Bilt Bar tastes. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. The six new ones are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. I know you guys are tired of of those candy bars that are, or protein bars in particular, that are just kind of gross and like, they're just, they're hard to chew is really, like it feels like you're eating wet sand. And Bilt Bar is the antithesis of that. They're soft, they melt in your mouth a little bit. They're just easy. And for me, what I'm really, this is where my concern comes in. Uh, I'm a health freak. I really, I really try to limit my sugar. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly aware of what I'm 
putting in my body. Because at the end of the day, you only get one of them. And Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for a keto diet. Um, I'm just going to go through some of, some of the best flavors. Coconut almond, it's 18 grams of protein, 180 calories. It's nothing for a protein bar. 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carbs, cookies and cream, my all-time favorite ice cream flavor, 17 grams protein, 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs. And you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, third and final segment coming up. We're going to start it off with Emmanuel quickly, but before we do, 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, Listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. All right. Uh, I didn't really – I know I avoided talking about RJ against the Heat. Obviously, that game was not quite as enticing for him. He somehow played only 19 minutes. Uh, was one of six from the field, one of three from distance, three points, two boards, no assists, one steal. Um Maybe, I don't want to say it's his worst game of the season because it's somewhere he just, like, literally missed 10 threes in a row. But it was it was pretty bad. Um, I'm not a big fan of Tibbs not playing him because I I think I made it clear. And I know, I know a lot of people reasonably disagree with me. Um, I think the most important thing this season is, I'm just going to say this very quietly because a lot of people get mad when you say it. Um... The most important thing this year is playing the young guys. I know I know, we're not doing the whole tanking thing again. That's cool. I've made my peace with that. Um, but you still want to prioritize the development of the young guys, especially when, like, R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, they're probably the two most important pieces of your future, and they played a combined 36 minutes. And in those 36 minutes, they took two less shots than the worst shooting point guard of all time and Alfred Payton, who took 12 shots, and they took combined 10. So that's not good. Um, but bad game from him happens to the best of us. I, I think you kind of uh, move on and move forward. I'm not going to focus on it all that much. Uh, Emmanuel, quickly, what a game against the Portland Trailblazers. And it doesn't, it doesn't really look all that spectacular. If you just go to the box score, he played 13 minutes. He scored 12 points. I mean, that's pretty good. Had three assists, one steal. Again, on a permanent basis, you stretch that out to uh, 36 minutes, that's about 34 points and 11 assists. So more impressive than it seems. Four for eight from the field, two of five from distance, a perfect two for two from the charity stripe, and just did a lot of good stuff in this one. He, he was kind of getting the star treatment. He, 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 was, he was getting double teamed um, all the way out to half court. And, and the, to be fair, the Trailblazers were doing this against, I think, whoever the primary ball handler was for the Knicks at various parts of the game, but they went at it with a little bit more vigor um, against Emmanuel quickly, really harassed him the entire game, and he was, again, for all the people out there, he says, I can do this against bench guys, he can't do this against starters. Obviously, that's discounting how incredibly effective he's been against starters um, in the fourth quarter of games this season, but this is a game where, obviously, look, like Portland isn't prime Miami, but all, all of us Knicks fans remember the game where 
Jeremy Lin fell against the Heat when, when they were just harassing him up and down the court. Uh, Portland, with far lesser defenders, tried to do their version of that uh, in this game and quickly uh, torched them. He, he went right through Mello for an and-one layup. And, and honestly, that was, I mean, that, and he, he had another one, which I'll get into in a sec. But him him actually finishing at the basket, if, if there's one thing you want to see from him for the rest of the season outside of just continuing everything else that he's doing, um, it, it's the ability to translate his floater touch into finishing in the lane. And, and not just in the lane, I should say, at the rim. Because he, he, he takes... Um, I think we we had uh, we had a stat for it on our, our great draft pod we did last week, but he 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 basically shoots less shots at the rim than any any starting or pseudo starting point guard in the NBA has any right to. All right, another one. Uh, he won't. He didn't get an assist on this, but he, I think you should give him some kind of statistic on it. He had a hard double near half court, kicked off a tic tac toe sequence that led to a wide open Burks three, just by again not panicking and getting the ball out of his hands against the double team. And, and that's sort of the situation where if he throws it away, all of a sudden Clyde is saying, and that's that's why you're starting Peyton. And Bill Pito is echoing it in Tibbs and saying, post game, you know, Peyton just doesn't make those mistakes. One, Peyton does make those mistakes. Two, quickly didn't. He got it out. Um, another beautiful play created separation with the step back and then exploded into a lane, took off from five feet out, high arcing righty finish over the big. Uh, the Knicks ran a stagger screen for him, and I had uh, my friend uh, Dallas Amico, a recent guest on this pod, explain to me what that was today because I, I kept seeing the set, and I was like, what is this Knicks keep running it? I love when they run it for quickly. Um, so for those of you who are who are basketball IQ deficient, or at least vocab deficient, such as myself, that's when they set, or, or two, the two bigs rather, set parallel screens uh, right around the top of the arc, and then the guard just runs off of uh, both those screens or, or uses those two screens however he's fit. Quickly is really good at it because he changes pace so well. And when you're running into Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson and, and trying to traverse those two giant human beings, it's very hard when you have like this quick jitterbug point guard who can start and stop on a dime. Um, but then I love the fact that he, he like generated that momentum going into the lane. And, and when people are like, you know, quickly has to get stronger, I think they're mostly talking about his upper body. I'm a little bit more focused ultimately on his lower body. I don't want the upper body to get too big. I think a lot of times with smaller guards like that, that can occasionally mess with their shot a little bit. Um, you, you're thinking about core strength and leg strength, the ability to explode, to take contact and finish through contact. That's it's all about core strength. I'm not a biomechanics expert, but that's been my biggest takeaway. Just just reading the uh, thoughts and hearing the thoughts from draft experts around the country and around Twitter. Um, he had this this gorgeous uh, double pump pass to Taj Gibson, who had a reconnaissance in in the Heat game. Um, and and it's yeah, I, I thought it was an intriguing play because it gave you a little bit of an idea of what quickly could could potentially do with the skilled big at the five, and obviously. Um, in some ways, uh, Mitch and Nerlens are perfect for him because he gets into the lane and, and it forces the opposing big um, when, whenever it generates a two-on-one, which is often just because of his ability to get a step on his defender and then put his butt into them, slow them down, burst into the lane. It, it, it forces the opposing big into a Sophie's choice because he's saying, All right, either I'm stepping up and I'm guarding Quickly's floater or, um, I'm, or and I'm giving up the lob. Um, or I'm staying with Mitch or Nerlens, and um, IQ is probably going to drop a floater in my eye, and, and you don't really you can't really do anything else about it. With Taj Gibson, though, it's a little bit of a different look because Gibson, obviously, especially at this point in his career, isn't really that explosive rim runner finisher. Uh, never really was, um, but he's pretty skilled, and he and he has he has some game around the basket. 
And, and it's kind of nice to see like quickly, like with a big man who can kind of adjust and like read exactly what he's doing and, and quickly gave him a good little double pump pass and, and Gibson put it home. And then, then the big boy plays a uh, step back 30 footer in Mello's face. And that came right after a technical foul that Mello had after he like shouldered Taj Gibson for no apparent reason after a rebound. Um, and that was, that was really what, I, I, to me, that was the backbreaking play of this entire game. It was Portland possession. I think they had a chance to tie or take the lead. Instead, quickly gets four points. All of a sudden, two-possession game. Uh, game basically over from there. The Knicks never looked back. Uh, ran the floor on the fast break. Uh, set up out Burks for corner three. And then had another 26-foot step back three in Carmelo Anthony's face. Uh, another steal set up Reggie Block for a transition layup. He, he guided the Knicks home in this one. Um, somehow did all that, again, despite just playing... 13 minutes while Alfred Payton was out there for 35, and I don't I don't want to crap on Alf. It, it was it was a pretty good game from him. 10 and 19, 22 points, seven boards, four assists. But as always, I'm going to unapologetically uh, focus on the guy who's actually going to be a part of the Knicks' future. And again, I will continue to make the case. Maybe one day I'll be proven wrong on this. That quickly on his worst night is better than Elf on his best, or at least quickly on a good night is better than Elf having an all-time great night. I'm willing I'm willing to go that far. All right, uh, I'm trying to think this through. Where do we want to finish? Uh, Mitchell Robinson, really good start in the Blazers game. Um, just just high-level defense. If you, if you want a little bit more detail on what he did so well in this one, go to uh, our good friend Tom Piccolo's Twitter, um, and he, he has a good video breakdown on Mitch's defensive exploits. He doubled Dame, got a rebound, ran the floor, uh, PNR dunk all in like one back-to-back-to-back sequence. Um, Tom does a really good job breaking this one down, um, how he just kind of recognized off of like a high screen action that ultimately, um, he didn't really have to worry about Ennis Cantor rolling to the basket. The big deal was Damian Lillard pulling up from 35 feet. And a lot of bigs just kind of duck down. They say, you know what? I, I want no business of getting toasted on the perimeter by Damian Lillard. And, and he just, he just stays with him and Lillard tries to rise up in his face. And this is, we, we've seen, it, it's, it's so funny to me that we haven't seen Mitch block a lot of threes this year. I think part of that is schematic and that Tibbs is having him drop back a ton. Uh, but I think a big factor of it is like the league has finally caught on after two years of Mitch just destroying guards and embarrassing them that you don't want to really take that shot against Mitchell Robinson. because he, He's going to get to it um, to a degree that no other big in the league does. He, he blocks shots that like, like Harden step back even that you, you can just see the look of shock on their face. They, they don't expect him to get to it. He did it with Lillard here and, and Lillard challenged him. Um, ran the floor hard and created an open floater for RJ. That was, those are the kind of unselfish plays that Mitch is doing this year. And when people are saying fairly to some extent, um, we haven't really seen the development on offense from, um, from a skill perspective, I'd agree with that. He's just, I, I mean, who knows how much better he actually is. He hasn't had a chance to do anything, but he is creating buckets game in and game out by running hard to the rim. Th- those are, those are big time plays because again, you have to respect his vertical gravity. And, and that means if someone like R.J. Barrett gets in the lane and wants to take a floater, more often than not, they're going to get the open floater because teams will take their chances on that shot versus um, R.J. or Quick, who are the only two guys on this team who can consistently give Mitch a good lob, uh, throwing one of those lobs and letting Mitch flush it home. Uh, There's there an interesting play. I think, it was, I think it was near the end of the fourth quarter. Um, he switched onto Damian Lillard and I was, I was all about it. He blocked Dame the first time. You could see a glint in Dame's eyes. Dame was spectacular in this game, playing injured, hitting tough three after tough three, just some insane shot making from one of the best guards in recent NBA history. 
Um, and then the whistle blew, and there was a foul off the ball. We didn't get to see that matchup. It sort of reminded me, for all my Game of Thrones heads, uh, senior, uh, excuse me, season one spoilers. If if you're somehow just watching it for the first time now in quarantine, for, I support the effort, but but mute for ten seconds. Um, it was kind of like in season one when Ned Stark and Jamie Lannister were fighting and they were having this epic battle. In this case, uh, Dame is Jamie, uh, Ned is Mitch. And, and you kind of see Jamie Lannister, the best swordsman in all the land. And he's kind of, he's kind of sweating a little bit. And he's like, wait, is this, is this old dude? Um, or in this case, this young dude really about to get the best of me. Um, and the fight doesn't get finished because one of Jamie Lannister's uh, bannermen just uh, stabs old Eddard Stark in the Achilles, and and Ned was out. Ned was out for the entire next season um, with with the KD injury. But um, yeah, that's, that's sort of that's sort of like what happened. I wanna I wanna see. Hopefully, hopefully some. We never got a Ned Stark Jamie Lannister rematch. I hope we get a Mitchell Robinson Damian Lillard rematch. All right, it's like two in the morning, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up with uh, two final quick hitters. Shout out to Taj Gibson. He he was money against the Miami Heat. Uh, hit this like nice little double pump over Kelly Olynyk. Uh, stole the ball from Precious Achua the next play. Banged a corner three. We saw him working on that shot last season. So rarely went in. This was, if I remember correctly, the first one he's attempted all season. Got it to go. Offensive rebound. Put back in Tyler Hero's face. And uh, yeah, it was just just a vintage Taj Gibson performance. I get I get kind of goosebumps seeing him out there. It's like. I know he was just on the team last season, but I think because of the pandemic, it feels like he's he's been retired for five years, and he's like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna lace up the shoes one more time and give it give it one final go around. Um, it feels like kind of an old cowboy making his last stand. It's cool to watch. I'm glad I'm glad he's playing well. I'm glad he's getting a chance with Nerlens Noel out. Uh, Obi, um, I thought it was funny. He, he like he got mellow isoed and like just beat him straight to the rim, and I just I, I just thought it was funny that Carmelo Anthony is the one guy in the league he could beat off the dribble. Um, as is slowly becoming an unfortunate, this was against the Blazers, by the way. As was, as is unfortunately becoming somewhat of a tradition for him, he he hit a three off the top of the backboard. Uh, some of his shots are just like really, really bad, and to some extent, that's that's adjusting to the NBA. There's if you're not the rare Emmanuel quickly, uh, Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton out there, those shots happen for rookies from time to time. But it just he's. He's had an unfortunate uh, frequency of really bad three-pointers. He airballed another one against the Heat. Um, he, had, he had a really nice pass to Mitchell Robinson where he's kind of coming around a screen, jumped up like through, through a heater that Mitch fumbled. You'd like him to take a little bit of speed off it, but you also would like to, Mitch to catch the pass. I'm not really sure who was at fault there, but I thought, I thought it was a nice little read from Obi. Um, against the Heat, uh, first pass of the game, sales like, six feet into the into the stands like deep into like the social distance seats and uh it wasn't great again he is he feels like he's one of those like really egregious mishaps every game uh first three initially was it was kind of like lackluster because i i normally get so excited because it's a real pleasant surprise whenever he, he makes a three ball um but it was sort of sort of uh cheapened a tiny bit because there was a foul off the ball but then eventually they just decided to count it so he got that first three um, he, this was all in the second half, by the way, against the Heat, and and it was uh, one of one of, if not Obi's best stretch of the year. Had a dribble handoff to Rivers, two defenders between them, slips it. Uh, Andre Iguodala, great positioning, gets over to Obi, um, but Obi is a step on him, kind of a slow load time on his jump. He, he always jumps off two feet, but he gets so high that in this case, because he already had that step, it didn't matter, and got a one-handed lefty lay on the right side. Um, he had 
nice hustle play running down a rebound. Uh, Airball the three um, that I mentioned earlier in the left corner when Andre Iguodala was closing out on him. Um, if he had just pumped and, and he, he would have had a, a run straight down Main Street for a one-handed dunk or two-handed dunk. I don't really care. Um, and then he, he had a really nice uh, backdoor against the zone where Taj hit him from the elbow. Big-time flush. Of course, Tibbs immediately takes him out because this team is all about making the playoffs and getting swept in round one. Whoa! Um, when it should maybe be about uh, if Obi's playing well for the first time all year, maybe let him build off that and let him actually finish the game. I, I don't. You lost anyways, so I don't really see what the harm is. Uh, final note, Reggie Bullock, best two-game stretch for him of the season. Um, hit a career-high seven three-pointers against the Miami Heat. Finished the game 7 of 14 from distance. We mentioned the hot start. Really capped it off. Also had four steals in that one. Um, yeah, just lights out shooting and fully leveraged some some uh, beautiful – I'm trying to think of the right word um, – Beethoven level passing like what's what's the name for Vir- virtuosic virtuos virtuous virtuous someone someone on twitter uh tell me what word i'm trying to think of um yeah some brilliant passing from julius randall and uh yeah he, he leveraged it beautifully but i i thought he was he was almost as good obviously didn't have the same shooting almost as good against the trailblazers where he had 10 points on six shots two or four from distance four or six from the field two blocks, uh, picture-perfect defense, had a really nice off-ball cut, was hitting his threes at a high rate, and, and it, it, it was it was the best defensively I, I've seen him play all year. He was, he was just locked in on what, whether it was Mello or Covington. Um, he, he had great positioning. A number of possessions were just absolutely stalled out his guy, and, and there's been some talk that R.J. Barrett is, is the Knicks' best defensive wing. I've seen games and stretches that support that theory. Uh, Reggie Block, these last two games, took back the crown. He, he he was so, so good. He's exactly what the Knicks wanted when they signed him the last two games. And for a guy who I was like, at a certain point, like he just kind of blends into the background. Um, I'm thrilled that he's having a little bit of a renaissance, and I hope it's here to stay. Anyways, 2.06 a.m. I'm going to call it quits. Great talking to you guys. Um, if you missed it again, we had a breakdown of the Derrick Rose trade earlier on um on sunday um so that should be in your podcast feed and until next time uh be good enjoy uh enjoy this week enjoy the snow stay safe uh if you can go get that vaccine if not uh continue social distance continue to wear masks uh hopefully this will all be over in the future until then go next talk to you guys soon